Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Let's take our first call for 2017. Russ, how are you today? Uh, I guess you're talking to me. I'm doing pretty good. Well, how can I help you? Uh, Give me the A to Z encyclopedia, how to fix a problem where the house I have is on slab foundation, typical. The septic line, the sewer line that's underneath the foundation Uh has got two cracks in it. And what are... What's the conventional way of doing things to fix that? I know they need to get fixed. I've got one uh, group of people saying they don't want to put a you know hole in the foundation to get down to it and fix it. And, and then another group are saying, well, you dig in underneath it, the Tom. foundation, and replace yeah. it that way. Of course, so how old is the house? In, I'm sorry? How old is the house? 32 years. So is it PVC or cast iron? It's PVC. Okay. The reason I'm asking that, typically PVC, the the break is isolated to right there where the break is. Uh, and you mentioned you got two breaks. Did yeah. they say if they're in joints or if it's in a pipe run or what is it? I think they're in the pipe run, maybe where the joints of the two you know pipes come together, but I don't okay. know exactly. And the reason I ask that, if it's a crack in the pipe itself, I'm going to tell you, you, you definitely want to tunnel that because you can get in there. Those sections are 20 foot long, and you can get into where the, the brake shows on the camera, but when they start trying to cut it to repair it, that crack can follow the full pipe length. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that situation, I would say tunnel it. If it's isolated to just a joint that has pulled apart, then you can go ahead and jackhammer through the slab if you want. But be prepared. When you see them out on the highway working and they're jackhammering and making all that dust, that's exactly what's going to happen in your home. Uh It's not a pretty thing to go through. And I can tell you, no matter how good you cover stuff up in the house, the dust is going to be everywhere. Right. Well, one of my concerns is uh, if they were to say, like, dig underneath it, uh, first off, I guess it's a two-way, two, you know, an A-B concern is that if you dig underneath it and the foundation is is stressed already because I have seen some movement in the foundation signs, you know, cracks right. above the door, that kind of a thing. If the foundation is stressed, the jackhammering, is that going to end up causing that thing to finish cracking? I mean, after 32 years, just like any concrete, you can find cracks all over it. So All, all concrete cracks by nature. That's what steel's in it for, is to hold it together when it does crack. Right. So, yeah, that's not a... That, that part doesn't concern me a whole lot. Uh, the, if, the problem that I've run into, though, and it's a lot more common problem than you think, they'll start with one spot... And then they say, oh, well, we got to dig a little bit further over here. So they start cutting a trench. And the next thing you know, they've literally cut the house in two. And so I, I'm typically in a, in a, in a big uh, pusher of tunneling. In fact, 
our my company do west we developed the tunneling process that's used under a lot of the for plumbing replacement uh-huh. and foundation repair and all that kind of stuff for that reason you, you're going to go into a house that's got a problem turn the foundation into swiss cheese and say well we fixed it it, it just don't make sense now right. how, how much tunnel are they talking about though to fix your two leaks uh 75 feet Man, that's a lot for two repairs. Well, they're in the center of the house. Yeah. And so to pull the pipe out to do anything with it, they've got to go the long distance. It's not from the side to the pipe. It's from the long line down the pipe is what they're saying. Okay. And I guess maybe the other the other wild card in the situation is they're saying it looks like the pipe has settled in one area. And so it's got a belly put, in it, yeah. So it's got a belt. So when you put the camera in there, it goes below water. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And they're saying, oh, we've got to pump, we've got to, you know, level that out so it drains. Okay. Yeah. Once you get into having to do the belly and all that, jackhammering through the slab is no longer an option. You can go in and repair a specific leak by jackhammering through the slab. But as far as going in and trying to repair uh, bellies and all that, not going to happen because you're still going to end up doing all the tunneling to do it. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. What about putting it back? When you put that stuff back, you know, I I don't think they take, uh, you know, they just shovel that dirt back underneath the house so they can't compact it, get it back down to where there was. And the it's sand never going to be packed the way it was. That is correct. Yeah. And the sand cushion is gone because they're going to take it out. They can't do that. Is that a concern? I mean, I Not was asking. A, well, I was thinking about asking a guy that does pull work to mm-hmm. spray that gun out, that gun out, uh, gun out on gun the uh, yeah. pull. I was thinking, well, maybe that machine, if it sprays out that kind of stuff, you could end up putting that back underneath the foundation. That, you know, I actually used to backfill tunnels. Yeah, I actually used to backfill tunnels using a gunite machine, sand, and bentonite. Uh, but what I found was it just really wasn't needed. Uh, what you really want to look look at it this way. Yes, you're never going to have it packed the way it was. But I will tell you, 95% of the time when we go underneath the foundation, the 4-inch part of the foundation isn't touching the soil at all. There's mm-hmm. typically a 1- to 2-inch void under the foundation just the beams mm-hmm. are touching the dirt okay and so you know whether there's a two inch void or a two foot void makes no difference okay. it's not touching it's not touching so that part i wouldn't worry about what i do get concerned about is if you start crossing a lot of beams or following beams then i would really recommend that you put some piles under there in order to support the foundation so that you don't have a future problem okay okay well, one last question that I'll then I'll get off and let you get back to it, and and maybe I should get hang up and listen to you. But as you're as you're talking about the foundation, uh, I've had people say, well, a lot of times they won't do anything to the foundation; they just say it's going to settle out and go back to the way it was. Yeah. As a, you know, because I'm going, well, should I have a foundation guy come out? My plan is to get a foundation guy to come and take a look to see what's going on, but. I've had other friends say, just it's going to settle itself back down once you fix the leaks and the, and it dries out. 
So don't worry about the foundation. Yeah. What's your God, I love those that? people. I make a darn good living off of those people. <laughs> and, and the truth of the matter is the soils when they get wet they do expand when they dry out they shrink again uh, but the problem you run into once the soil is wet under a foundation unless there's a tree or something like that around it to grow roots in there and take that moisture out it's there to stay really now if you got a lot of trees Yes, the, tr- the trees will actually suck the moisture out of the soil. But it's not like the soil out in your yard where the sun's beating on it and the wind's blowing across it and all that stuff. It's protected by the concrete. Mm-hmm. And so it stays in that expanded state. Okay. Well, since you did that, do you got time for one more line of thought going down that foundation line? Sure, go ahead. Well, if, if it's a case where there's they're digging a long trench or something like that, and they say they've got to deal with the foundation. So I'm thinking, okay, if a foundation company comes in and starts messing with the foundation and the plumbing has been put in and it's been backfilled, yep. and they start moving that foundation around, what's to mm-hmm. keep them from pulling the pipes and creating more leaks because they're jacking around on the foundation? Should Not it be a thing. Trench? And I tell oh, people that all the time. If you've got plumbing problems and a foundation problem, you've got to do the foundation first because when you move that foundation, you're, you're potentially going to damage those pipes again. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, I could tunnel out, fix the, the piping, not backfill it, get a foundation guy to come in, do his thing to it in case he wanted to do something, whatever he wanted to do, and then do the backfill. Well, here's what I would recommend. Okay. You call a foundation guy who has both foundation and a plumbing company, which you happen to be talking to one right now. That uh, yep. I own Due West. We do foundation repair and plumbing. And the main reason we started do, by doing foundation repair, so much of it is caused by plumbing problems. We ended up expanding into plumbing years and years ago as well. Uh, l- let us look at it tell you what you know what it would take but i can tell you if you got you see you said 75 foot uh and if you were looking at having to replace all 75 foot of pipe and dig the tunnel you're probably gonna they're probably quoting you somewhere uh lower to mid 20s uh upper 20s okay i just ran quick numbers and i came up with like 23 24 thousand mm-hmm that's the advantage of doing it with a company who does both items because we know how to merge the stuff and make it go better than having to hire two separate contractors. Well, I was planning on giving your company a call and trying to get them out. Uh, It's not like the foundation is, you know, sliding down a hill. I'm not, you know, in a tight time frame. uh, So, yeah, I was planning on calling, but I just look at it like I've got to talk foundation and plumbing all at the same time. Give the office a call. I've got people uh, in the office booking appointments till 4 o'clock on Saturdays. So they can book mm-hmm. it for you. And either uh, Johan, uh, Adam, or myself can come out and take a look. And, you know, we'll go over it with you. Okay. And you're going to state your phone number on there? Absolutely. It's 972-406-0912. And that's for Due West Foundation Repair. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get. I was planning on getting your number and giving you guys a call to come take a look at it for another opinion. Russ, I appreciate it, and uh, happy New Year. 
Thank you, sir. Do the same. You bet. Bye-bye. Don, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Uh, Hello. I might be a little off topic. Uh, I'm not nah, no such fighting. thing. Is that, is that appropriate? Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm uh, calling for some guidance. Um, we had uh, that last cold spell that hit the DFW area. We had a home that we had just purchased and hadn't moved into yet. And on Christmas Eve, we went out there and there was about two inches of water in the downstairs. We had a busted pipe. And uh, so I'm working through the initial steps with the insurance company and with general contractors and what's starting to develop doesn't make complete sense to me. So, so if you could give me some direction on this, I would, I'd be grateful. Okay. What, what's happening? Well, so I've had three contractors come out and I expected some disagreement on what they see as damage and isn't, but the, the difference, in the dialogue is significant. Um, and this isn't what I do for a living, so I don't know whether, uh, you know, I don't know which one to hang my hat on. Sure. Um, the the insurance company is kind of laying back on this. They haven't given us a bid yet, but the initial adjuster that came out, I suspect he's, I don't. I'm not looking for an argument here, but I think that he's going to go with as little as he has to. You know, he's obligated to do. Oh, that's always yeah. To be expected, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of the um, the points of concern. The entire downstairs has tile floor. I I'm going to guess it's around two thousand, maybe twenty five hundred square feet of tile. The tile current, and it was underwater for, we're not exactly sure, but I'm, I think at least 48 hours. Okay. It sat underwater. The tile today seems to be fine. Yeah. I've got one contractor telling me that it needs to be replaced. You know, the water got under it. It's going to eventually become a problem. It will eventually pop up. I've got another guy telling me that it will probably be fine, but there's no way to tell. It could be a year from now. Um, at some point, I'm going to have to make the argument with the insurance company what we want done. Yeah. I will tell you, most of the time, if you try to argue that the tile has to be replaced with the insurance company, most of the time you're going to lose that argument. Okay. Uh, and if you think about it, tile is used in wet areas. Now, the mm. big problem you can run into is, depending on what they use to install the tile, what type of mastic they used, mm -hmm. will determine if it's going to be a problem or not. Mm -hmm. And there's no way of knowing that ahead of time. But uh, houses that flood on, you know, that are along the coast and different things like that, that flood on a regular basis, you always mm -hmm. put tile in them because it handles mm -hmm. the water. Uh, we use tile in showers and around tubs and everything because it handles mm -hmm. the water. So i, I got to be honest. I personally wouldn't lose a lot of sleep over replacing the tile at this point in time. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, that helps because that's a significant part of this claim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have – what I've done, we just went out and found some custom home builders in the area that were willing to to look at the project. 
Do you have someone in the North uh, Fort Worth, Decatur area that that uh, that you would recommend? Or? Well, what you need is somebody who specializes in doing that kind of stuff, who is familiar with drying places out and what can happen and, and things like that. Call Dalworth. You know, the insurance company sent out, can I say the name of the company? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, they sent out ServPro. You know, as soon as we discovered it, I, I was on the phone yeah. with them. Yep. And they sent out Serpro, and they sucked up the water. But uh, to my eyes, I, I have a lot of concerns about what they didn't do. Uh, they, you know, and they had I don't know thirty, forty fans in the place for ten days or so, two weeks. And that was all uh, for drying it out. Yeah. Yeah, but they they seem to have avoided. We've got an office here that's all oak paneling and oak uh, bookshelf and. That was under an inch of water. I've got it photographed and documented. And they didn't do anything in that space. You can see the water line on the baseboard in that yeah. room. And it, you know, I don't know whether they were just trying to avoid the more costly areas. Uh, well, and that's you know, if they're working for the insurance company, they're going to do what they can to minimize it. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason I'm saying Dalworth though is they've got a division of Dalworth that. Not only do they come out and do the the drying out and all that stuff, but they have a complete reconstruction division to oh. put the places back together as well. Oh, okay, all right. You know the uh, the insurance or the Surfpro they they kind of recommended someone that could do the the work. Uh huh. It seemed to me to be a conflict of interest. They're they're going to protect their relationship with the insurance company. So Absolutely. I, you know, I'm a nobody in their mind, and so it just seemed like a conflict, conflict of interest. Yeah, they they know where their bread is buttered, and they're not going to do go. anything that's going to jeopardize that. Uh, yeah. Relationship. But you think Dalworth? I don't know if they have a similar relationship with this insurance company. I would bet that they do not. They do not. Okay. All I, right. I can't say that for sure, but. Um, they, you know, if you call them, the insurance company is not their client. You are. Okay. Okay. Is um, is there anything that uh, anything that I should be considering here? And and I'll give Dalworth a call Monday morning. Sure. Because uh, I I suspect the uh, the estimates on this is going to. I think there may be as much as a forty thousand dollar difference between what one GC needs to think needs to be done and another. Well, typically the what the process should be is you go ahead and get your guy. They've got their guy. Mm-hmm. Their adjuster writes it up. They get with your contractor then, and they iron out what the differences are. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. with, and you want to stay involved in that because you want to make sure that, you know, your contractor doesn't say, oh, yeah, let, let's go ahead and get this project started, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll do it for that. Uh, make sure that you're involved so that you know exactly what's taking place. But that's normally how they work it out. Okay. All right. I, I have one final question that, sure. that is, a, is, a, is a line item that uh, is a question in my mind. So water was running out the exterior doors. When I walked up to the house, it was flooding through the front and back doors. One of the guys says the doors are fine. The other guy says the bottom of those doors sucked up water. They sat in water, 
and in time they're going to be a problem and they, the whole jam and doors need to be replaced. You should be able to, how long ago did this happen? It happened uh, the 23rd of, was, of December. Uh, yeah, it just recently yeah. happened. You should be able to, by this point, look at that wood and tell if it's going to be an issue or not. What am I looking for? If that wood has started to expand at all, mm-hmm. it's garbage. Get rid of it. Okay. Okay. So I just look at the bottom of the door and the jam yep. and look for any kind of distortion? Yep. And if there's okay. any distortion, it's not holding up. Okay. Is this something that is going to pop up uh, six months from now, and then and then I'm going to be cutting the check for it? No, it's it's something that, sh- that you should readily be able to see at at this I point see. in time. Okay. All right. Well, I'll give Dalworth a call. You've been very generous with your time, and uh, thank you so much. I appreciate your advice. Don, good luck with that. And uh, and you said this was a house you were buying. You hadn't even closed yet. Oh no, we bought it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have. We were going to move in the next day. Oh man! Well, it's you know, no big deal. I mean, let, there let, are people that are dealing with much bigger problems, right? Yeah. Well, I, I will. I will tell you. I sold a house one time that we were cleaning it up. We, we'd already got our stuff out of it, and we went to. We broke to go get some lunch. Me and my wife, and she mm-hmm. had hit something that started some water running at a toilet. While we were mm-hmm. gone, the toilet overflowed on the second mm-hmm. floor. And flooded mm-hmm. out the downstairs, and so I know exactly what you're going through. Only I was on the other side; I was the seller, and I'm going, "Oh my gosh, they're going to pull out. They're going to they're going to not close on the deal." They went ahead and closed, though, and you know everything got rebuilt with no big problem. So I, I wouldn't lose a whole lot of sleep over it. Is it going to be a little bit of a pain? Absolutely, but it's nothing that can't be redone. Excellent. Well, your advice has been valuable to me, and and thank you very much for your time. Don, have a good new year. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bernard, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you today? Yes, I have a gas light in my front yard that was installed uh, when the house was built uh, in the late 70s. Um, It has a copper gas line uh, that runs under the ground, and then it hooks into the gas gas meter. Uh Uh-huh. The the line uh, has a bad spot in it before it gets to the meter just as it when it comes out of the ground okay and uh i had the uh the service person from the gas company to come by and look at it he looked at it and he said you need to get a plumber to repair that uh gas line i mean that copper line so i did call the plumber and the plumber said uh we can't do that because they don't use those kind of lines anymore and um would have to be done according to code, which means you can have to run a completely new line. That's very expensive. And so I called the company back, the gas company back, and they said a homeowner can repair the line. If yes. So, he said if you adapted that kind of a thing, all you do is just cut the bad part out and uh, get the uh, hardware company to cut you a piece of copper the same size and, uh, you know, splice it in there. And so I did that. I got uh, Ace Hardware, and uh, they cut me a, a piece of copper, and they put uh, fittings on both ends of the copper. And so I brought it home, and I haven't installed it uh, on my um, on the gas line. I mean, on the copper line. Uh-huh. Uh, I have it in the garage, 
and so I'm going to do that. So my question is, is that is that a is that a safe thing? Uh, oh sure. Yeah, I you don't have to worry about being safe. Now here's what you need to do though. After you hook everything up and turn the gas back on to it, mix up some soapy water and put on all the connections and watch for any bubbles. That's just to make sure that you don't have any leaks. And okay. you know, as long as you don't have any leaks, you'll be just fine. Okay, what why do you, you may not even know, but why do, why is it that the plumber wouldn't would not do that kind of work? Because they have changed the codes on what has to be used on the gas lines. And unfortunately, when they do that, they make it where plumbers, because they're licensed, cannot do it if it doesn't meet code. And so as a homeowner, you can do it, but as a licensed plumber, they can't. Uh, another example is houses with lead paint or places with asbestos siding. If a contractor comes in and does it, it's got to all be abated and, and sealed up and, and all this stuff. As a homeowner, you can strip all that stuff out, take it to the city dump, and be done with it. You don't have to do any of the stuff that complies to all the regulations. But when you're a licensed contractor or hold a license for plumbing, air conditioning, any of those type of things, you got to meet those codes. Okay, well, I, I, I was wanting to be reassured that I was not doing myself any harm by... Uh you know, making a a repair on that copper line. Well, I got to be honest. When you were first talking about it, I was already figuring in my head, okay, here's how I'm going to tell the guy he needs to cut it, splice it, and fix it himself. Because, yeah, it, it, there's really no reason for you to have to replace the whole line over that other than they've got to do it according to codes. Okay, I sure appreciate that. I knew that uh, I'd get the right inf information that I needed by listening to your show, so I made an effort to listen to it today. Well, Bernard, have a great new year, and uh, good luck with that lamp. Thank you so much for your help. Let's talk with Daryl. How are you today, Daryl? Good. How are you doing, Jim? Man, I am doing great. Awesome. Hey, uh, I've got a uh, tile floors uh, in the shower I need to put in. What the... Uh, make and model of the floor drain make and model of the floor drain well what kind what's the name i would go look for and uh you know for the the drain that goes in a a masonry tile uh, shower oh. floor okay uh yeah they actually make it's just it's just a regular pvc floor drain comes with the uh, metal top on it and, and everything and it's got a big nut that you can crank down. And I'm assuming you said you're putting in a tile floor, so I'm assuming you're going to put a mud base in it and everything. Yes, I'm going to put a masonry base. And, okay. And, and put tile over it. But isn't there? I'm going to put a liner on top of the mason. Yes, and that and then, that nut that I was just talking about will clamp, uh -huh. will screw down yeah. and and pinch on that uh, rubber liner oh, to okay. seal it. Okay. Uh, does floor and decor have those? Um, you know, actually, I believe they do. Any okay. plumbing supply store would have them as well, though. Yeah. But floor oh, and decor, don't. more than likely, they'll have not only that part, but also the rubber mat that you need. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've already got that. I bought that at a local store. They didn't have the drain that, you know, works with that uh, vinyl. Oh, really? Corn. No. E even typically your box stores even have it. Oh, really? Oh, well, I haven't been to one of those. <laughs> so yeah. They may have. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very common to be able to pick it up at virtually any 
plumbing supply or box store or any place like that. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go to, to one of them or some. I'll go to Florida for it probably. So. Okie doke. Okay. Daryl, have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Joe, welcome to KTRH. How can I help you? Uh, yes, I have a hardy board exterior, and I had a guy convert a window to a door for access to the backyard. Uh-huh. And I'm getting uh, water uh, inside, so it's just, he didn't waterproof it very well. How, would I, how do I go about with the overlapping hardy board? It's a half-inch gap to, to caulk around the edge of the exterior, so that's not what you do. is How do you go about waterproofing that? Well, more than likely, uh, I mean, I'm obviously not seeing what he did, but he just cut into it, put the door in, and then put the trim over the siding, correct? Okay. Typically, that shouldn't need caulking. Uh, How much water? My my interior door trim is starting to show a lot of water signs. Yeah, what I'm wondering is if he left too big a gap. Between, uh, in the in the new in the door frame. In other words, he framed it out, but left a huge gap there, and so you don't have as much overlap as normal with the with the trim. Uh huh. If that's the case, then your only option is going to be to caulk and seal that, even though it's got those wedge shape, you know, that goes as wide as a half inch. Yeah. And it'll it would use a lot of caulking, but it would seal it up and should solve your problem. Okay. How about if you took that one by four off and went in a couple inches? To run well, that's car. the first thing I would do is take that one by four off and take Let's a see look what we got. to see what's there. Because I think what you're going to find is you're going to take that off. The trim board is is probably going to be about an inch under your. I mean, your siding is going to be about an inch under your trim board because uh-huh. I got an idea. He added the two by fours. And the your uh, siding does not go over the two by four frame around the door opening, uh-huh. and th- and that that's why you're getting water in because it's just it's too close to the edge of the of the trim around the door. Yeah, but if I end up doing caulking around the outside, would it be better to go in a couple inches so it's not so visible and ugly? Ugly looking look or just or just caulk around the edge outside or on the edge. Caulk around the edge on the outside and then paint it to match, and nobody will oh. ever notice. Okay. All right. That's what I'll do. I'll take a look. I'll take the one by four. I'll take a look at it and go from there. All righty. Joe, good All luck right. with that. And, you know, when you're wrapping the pipes, there are several different ways of wrapping the pipes. Now, you uh, you can wrap them, obviously, with regular hose wrap, uh, the the stuff that looks kind of like a rubberized foam or whatever. Or you can wrap them with towels and things like that. Now, when you're dealing with those backflow preventers and things like that, you may want to take a look at using the electric strips where you can actually wrap the pipes and the backflow preventer with that. It plugs in, it generates heat, and keeps everything warm that way. Or, most of the time, there's a cutoff valve that you can shut the water off before it even gets to that backflow preventer. Then, you know, drain it, and you don't have to worry about it freezing. It can freeze and not damage anything. But you got to drain the water out. If you leave the water in it, even though you got it shut off, you can still damage the backflow preventer. So it's critical, that, like I said, that you drain the water out. I've mentioned this on the show several times, that I've got an all-electric home. 
And I had something funny happen about three weeks ago or so. Half of my main went off. And, you know, we get a lot of questions about electrical supplies and stuff here. So uh, because my house was built in 73, I have aluminum wiring. I didn't want to really take any chances. So I went ahead and had somebody out to check it. I didn't consider it an emergency, though. So I called them, booked an appointment, finally had them out yesterday. And one of the things we did while he was here was do a, a load test on the house. So we clamped the wires start turning everything on obviously uh, being all electric i got the heater going that's one of the biggest draws but i also have a tankless water heater that i put in about uh, five or six years ago so we fired that up got lights going and you know all the different things going i have a 200 amp breaker panel now i brought in extra service 13 years ago or 14 years ago to the house when I put this 200 amp service in I brought a 400 amp service in but we only installed one breaker panel but adding the tankless water heater a few years ago and different things like that I'm basically getting overloaded even though I've got slots on the box it's kind of like you got a checkbook and you still got check blanks left you got money right you got a breaker panel you got slots left, hey, you can still plug more stuff in. Eh, it don't work that way. You got a limited amount of stuff. Once you hit the load, your breakers will start flipping. Well, typically breakers will start flipping at 80% load. And since I've got 200 amps on this breaker panel, when we ran the test, we peaked at 186. I didn't trip, but... That explains why it was tripping, because I'm maxing it out. So because I have a 400 amp system, I'm able to install a second breaker panel, start splitting up the breakers and the wires into two panels instead of just one, thus reducing the load on those breakers to where I don't have to worry about setting the house on fire. And, and I point this out because as time goes on, you know, when this house was originally built, it only had a 100 amp service. Now I'm running a 200 amp breaker panel and I'm having to add to it because we just continually add to the things we have in our home. Tankless water heaters, for instance, when this house was built, they weren't even an option. They weren't even thought about. But there's one in here now. Uh, all the flat screen TVs and the different things like that that use power. Our refrigerators are much larger than they used to be. Just all that stuff adds up. So, you know, when you have issues come up with your home where something happens, don't just ignore it. You know, it would have been easy for me. I reset that breaker and for me to forget about it and move on down the road. But I knew that, hey, I better have that checked out because that's not normal. And, and here's where the expensive part comes in. I can add the second breaker panel because I'm, I'm not having to redo the entire breaker panel. I can add a second breaker panel for about $2,600, $2,700 and have some of these breakers moved over. If I leave this go and I end up replacing my existing breaker panel because I burn up my main coming in, I'm looking at $10,000. Preventative maintenance is what keeps our cost levels down. And far too often, we think it's cheaper to just ignore stuff and then replace it in the end. 
and that's really just not the case anymore. We got to take care. It, it never was. I shouldn't say anymore. It never was. We need to take care of stuff. So uh, if you if you're having those kind of issues, get an electrician out, get it checked, and have it taken care of. I get emails, and I get email questions on a on a regular basis, and I typically answer those emails, especially if you go through our member site i definitely answer those all those come directly to me and i take care of answering those emails i don't have staff members or anything like that who uh answer those questions so as an example what is the proper spacing of the drip irrigation line away from the slab what is a good setting for a timer 15 minutes once a day thanks well let me tell you this time of year, a lot of people quit watering the foundation. Bad mistake. We are playing catch-up from the summer and getting the soils ready for next summer. The long-range predictions for the summer of 17 is for it to be normal rainfall. And if that's the case, you will be hard-pressed to keep your watering to keep up. So you need to water a little bit daily with a drip irrigation system twice a day, 15 minutes each time is normally what I would recommend, but it's going to depend on the emitters you have. That's if you're using emitters that are 0.9 gallons per hour. So, and typically those emitters are like every 12 inches on the pipe emitting that water. So it gives it just a little bit of water on a regular basis to keep the soil moist and expanded. If you're not doing that, we're back to that maintenance issue. Pay now or pay later. You will be paying to get things fixed. Brian, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, on a concrete floor, uh, with well, it has terrazzo on the concrete. Uh, instead of a, a plain concrete floor, it's terrazzo. Uh, the question is, there's some paint spilled on that in a large area, maybe 10 or 12, 15 square feet or something. Is there some uh, chemical that you would recommend or some product from, I don't know, a Home Depot or Lowe's type or somebody, anybody, uh, that uh, would take that up uh, where you could put it down there and take it up uh, from the terrazzo? That's the question. Now, when you say it's spilled, is it just splattered on there, or is it where they actually spilled a can? Well, the, the second, the latter. In other words, uh, mm. it, it's not just a splattering there. It's yeah. spilled. And it's been, has it been down a long time? Yes. Okay, typically, if it's something that's been down for a long time, uh, especially on terrazzo, you're probably going to end up doing a buffing on the floor to, to get it up. Basically, a light sand sanding is what it comes down to okay uh because once that stuff is set up long enough it's going to be down in the pores and everything if it was a light you know splattering or something i would tell you try some mineral spirits normally that will cut through it and take it off but uh -huh. you know when it's that heavy uh when they refinish terrazzo floors they come in with buffing machines do a very light sanding and and refinish them and that's basically what you're going to end up doing with them Fantastic. Well, great idea. I sure appreciate it and enjoy your show. Thank you, Brian. You have a great weekend. Thank you, bud. Bye-bye. 214-787-1080. That's 214-787-1080. And, you know, a lot of those hard floors like that, you can you can do that with them, refinish them that way. We a lot of times think, oh, well, once something's on it, it's ruined. It's not. They're refinishable. Even the, the laminate wood floors nowadays, where it's a, an engineered wood floor, for instance, uh, it has a wood veneer on the top. A lot of those are designed, though, where they can be sanded and refinished once, twice. I got one in my house that's designed to be refinished up to five times. 
Now, it's been down in my floors for the last, uh, coming up on 14 years now, and I've never had to have it refinished yet. But I'm able to if I want to get the floors redone. Uh, so when you're looking at floors, that's something to keep in mind is, as far as if you're looking at laminate, if the laminate goes bad, you take it out, you replace it. If you look at engineered wood floors, look at how thick the finish is and see if it can be refinished. Typically, it'll say it on the, the box descriptions that it can be refinished or cannot be refinished, things like that. And if you really want one that can be refinished, then you get a solid wood floor that goes down. Uh, you know, I caution people all the time on this, though. If you're going down on a slab, floating wood floors, floating laminates, floating engineered floors, don't glue them down. You're asking for trouble on slabs when you glue it down. Now, if it's on the second floor and it's concrete, glue it down. No problem. The reason on the first floor you don't want to glue it down, though, is if you get any moisture under the foundation, that moisture can wick up through the concrete, soften the glues, and the wood floor starts coming loose. So just a little side note of information there. Eugene, how can I help you? I have a question. During the last freeze this year and a couple of years ago, my kitchen is on the outside wall and also one of my lavatories in the master bedroom is the outside wall. And it seemed like the cold water freezes when we get below freezing point. I'm not sure if there was enough insulation put in the walls or the lack of. And yeah. I'm trying to figure out what is the best approach to try to fix it from the outside or go from the inside to have a contract to do that. You know, uh, actually, the best, the only way you can do it is to access the pipes and okay. wrap them. And even that sometimes isn't enough, but that's typically what you're going to have to do. Now, I'm assuming you've tried leaving cabinet doors open so heat gets underneath there during the freezes, right? Yes, and the last, this latest one, my kitchen froze, yes. Yeah. Water side, yes. Now, there is a, a company out there called Foam My Walls. Okay. And their website is foammywalls.com. And if you'll take a look at that, that's an injection excuse me that's an injection foam where they they go through the siding they can inject this this non-expansive foam insulation into the walls that would add the insulation without having to tear the walls up and stuff okay and uh, quite frankly i'm getting ready to have to do that to my house because i got one pipe that tends to freeze in my house as well but their website is foammywalls.com okay. okay i will check that out appreciate it thank you so much you Enjoy. bet Take care. 214-787-1080. That's 214-787-1080. Any home improvement question you have, I'll see what I can do to help you out. And, you know, when, when, you're, when you're having those kind of issues where you got pipes freezing like that, you do have to get them protected because over time it will, t will tend to get worse. Uh, that foam my walls, like I say, if it's in the walls that way, is a great way to do it. Carol, how can I help you today? Good afternoon. I am getting ready to do a project that's outside, uh, painting, roofing, uh, building fence, in other words, several things. Uh -huh. um, as I'm gathering bids, it's easy for me to think about the cost of the products and an approximate 
it range and the cost of the labor to do the work. And um, then I'm assuming that there will be a profit added on to that. I do expect them to make a, a, a little bit of profit. Um, but I don't know what I'm getting. I'm getting bids that are widely spaced apart. What is the appropriate amount of profit that would go in there, or how would that be, bid be constructed? You want it from the contractor's point of view or from your point of view? <laughs> from my point of view. <laughs> and I say that kind of in jest, but did you, yes. hear the, did you hear the commercial a minute ago for Texas Mutual Workers' Comp? Yes. No, I didn't, but I have heard some of the commercials in the past. Okay. I'm going to use that as an example. There okay. are a lot of companies out there, especially small companies, who will come out and do jobs for you, but they don't carry workers' comp. You're right. As a homeowner, most homeowners don't realize the importance of workers' comp. If an employee is hurt on your job and the contractor's not carrying workers' comp, most people don't realize, but that employee has the right to sue you as the homeowner. If the contractor is carrying workers' comp, they do not. Okay. And that, But that workers' comp is expensive, I can tell you, I spend uh, somewhere between a hundred and a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year on workers' comp for my you employees. Have a lot of employees, yeah. I have a lot of employees. You no, know, no question about that. But my pricing, because of that, I, I'm going to be higher than a chuck in a truck who does not carry workers' comp, does not carry general liability, doesn't maintain an office, and things like that. So, yes. depending on the type of work you're getting done this can become more critical. You, you mentioned a roof, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if somebody, roofing is one of the highest cost workers comp because somebody can be up on the roof, fall off very easily and be injured. You're liable if, if you hired somebody who doesn't have workers comp. So there, there are some cost things that you gotta be aware of, but as far as what is standard, most contractors, by after they've, bid the job, pay their employees, uh, cover the raw expenses, are uh -huh. looking to have somewhere between 20 and 30 percent left over okay. on top of that. And But okay. out of that 20 to 30 percent comes the overhead pays, the, you know, maintaining the office and, and other expenses like that, vehicles and things like that. So realistically, and, and I'm, again, I'm going to use my company as an example. When I get done paying all my employees, paying for the office and, and insurances and everything, mm -hmm. I'm typically left over with 3 to 5%. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I got you. I understand where you're thinking about. All okay. right. And I've got one company that's about 30% high. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, beyond giving room for this and stuff and i've got one company that i think is about right i've actually got several bids in hand but uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Well, uh -huh. and, and see you're talking about it the right way Don't, and i'm by no means am i telling you hire the most expensive guys out there all the time mm -hmm. but don't just shop the price make sure what that you're comparing apples to apples you know that everybody right. you're getting price from has the same type of insurance same type mm -hmm. of experience, and mm -hmm. when I say experience, I'm t I'm not talking about experience doing the job. It just drives me nuts when I 
see commercials and, and hear people talking about, well, this guy's got 35 years experience, but he's only been in business two years. Right. You're looking for I the am, guy who's been in business 35 years, not the two-year uh-huh. guy. Uh-huh. Yep. I understand. Yes. I don't want somebody out here working on my house that's making $10 an hour. Yep. Because he can't live on it. He's got not got the skills. I want, yeah. But I can't afford somebody who's got 20 years of experience and wants to get paid the longevity pay that looks like sky high. What you will find is the guys who have that experience, they're quicker and better at the job. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, they will cost you less. That's a good point. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. All right. I okay. thank you. I'm going to sit down and study these bits again this afternoon. All right. Carol, take care. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.